You're listening to the Victory Church Podcast. Here at Victory, we are called to equip a caring, committed community of worshipers to reach their world for Jesus. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Hey, it's so good to be with you again. Thank you for inviting me into your home, for inviting Victory Church into your home, for being part of Victory Church even though you're at home. So God has a word for us today, and God wants us to get unstuck. This is the second sermon in this Unstuck series, and if there's any area that can unstick you from wherever you might be, it's in the area of our thinking. What we think, how we think, we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And there's no area of our thinking that can transform or change our lives like what we think about God. How we think about God is the most influential aspect of our thought life. So if you want to get unstuck, chances are, Wherever you are in your walk with God, however mature or however new you are in the things of God, the most significant thing you can do is change your thinking about God. Now, in Romans chapter 8, Paul is trying to help people put their suffering, their difficulties in perspective. And in that context, he says this, Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? It's so important that we understand that this is the place that we most need to change. Why? Because if we don't understand that God is for us, if we begin to think that the deck is stacked against us, then why even try to improve our lot in life why even try to do anything to better our lives because think about this if the one who created the universe is against us then what hope do we have of making any kind of difference whether in our own lives or through our lives making a difference in the world around us so it's important for us to know that god is for us there are probably a lot of us who never heard anybody say that they are for us we maybe even have never heard anyone tell us that they believed in us well i have to admit that's not the case with me i remember my dad telling me probably more than one time that i could be anything that i wanted to be in life so that was a good start for me but when i went to college things really changed because I suddenly became aware that I fell far short of the world's measure of success. I went to Center College in Kentucky, and at that time especially, it was something of an elite college, one of the top liberal arts colleges in the South, and so it was a big switch from my small-town experience. And I found out at this college with a lot of people who were a lot wealthier than my family was, that I was a lot more of a redneck than I thought I was. I discovered that I was not near as smart as my scores on standardized testing taught me 
that I was. I wasn't really that smart. And uh, I discovered that while we had never been poor, that I was a lot poorer than I thought I was. And uh, that was thrown in my face all the time because I was one of the small minority of students on financial aid. And uh, the discrimination, if you want to call it that, was very very much there it was part of my experience so I had that thrown in my face all the time now I should have had the kind of security in who I was that I could overcome those obstacles and those really negative things about myself that I was discovering but I was not that secure and uh, I think the thing that really broke me was when I got blackballed from a fraternity that was very shaming and really, really did send me down a spiral that was self-destructive in so many ways. And I discovered in college I was not academically fit and I was not socially ready for my experience in college. And uh, so by the time two years were up, my self-esteem was gone and that was pretty strongly indicated by my self-destructive habits my self-destructive abuse of alcohol and drugs in fact i'm kind of ashamed to uh, admit this even now all these years later but i remember telling a friend that i was intentionally committing slow suicide that's how i felt it was it was a terrible feeling but then i dropped out of college and joined the army I talked about that last week and how basic training was a disruption that could give me a, a new start and I compared that to the disruption of this coronavirus lockdown that can give us a new start so that got me going in a more disciplined direction in my life but that really wasn't the end of the kind of affirmation that the army ended up giving and providing for me because when I got to my uh, my permanent duty station 534th MP company Fort Clayton Panama within a few weeks and I know I still had a lot of problems and I've told stories before about uh, my problems sticking with me God had a lot of work to do in me yet and I was not yet a believer I had a lot of problems but within the first few weeks my squad leader told me that I was the best soldier in his squad now that's not really that big a deal because a squad is 10 people 10 soldiers so to be the best out of 10 well that's all right but that sparked something in me here's somebody who believed in me it was really kind of shocking that he would say that to me that I was the best soldier in his squad and within a few months I was designated as soldier of the year for my entire company of 400 guys and not only that I was soldier of the year for our battalion that was crazy my last year in the army I spent three years in the army I was assigned to military police investigations which was a great job and then my company commander put me up for the army commendation medal and I know some of these things some of these uh, kudos that I received don't really mean very much when you compare it with combat experience or anything like that but for a peacetime army experience let me tell you these things were very affirming and the army commendation medal that was the highest honor that anybody in my unit those three years received it was amazingly affirming for me it felt good 
And what happened is I started believing in myself to a degree because somebody else believed in me. Let me tell you, that can make a huge difference in your life, but I want to tell you something that can make an even bigger difference than somebody believing in you. I believe in you, but let me tell you a better secret. God believes in you. God believes in you. Maybe a better way of saying it is in keeping with what we saw there in Romans 8.31, God is for you. He's for you. He believes in you. That is, he sees who he's called you to be. And our God is the kind of God who sees the end from even before the beginning. He sees who he's called you to be in Jesus Christ. He sees you in that way. You are his handiwork. You are his craftsmanship. And he sees you according to what he has planned for your life. And he has something good planned for your life. Our God is for you, not against you but you know sometimes it's hard for people to believe that we have whole segments of american society who just don't believe that anything good could come their way they've given up on themselves and i know sometimes that's hard to believe sometimes we who have experienced something of the prosperity of our country kind of wonder why People in poverty don't just do something about it. Why don't they just do something about it? We see the opportunities that our society affords, and we think, well, if they you know, wanted to, if they had any drive, they would just do something about it. But that perspective fails to see the cultural and social realities that so many people deal with. So many people, in spite of maybe our seeing opportunities, all they see is hopelessness, and pain and they have fallen into this mindset that says why even try when so much is stacked against me why even try and you really don't have to have experienced poverty deep poverty the hopelessness of certain segments of society to have that mentality some of us who are otherwise fairly successful and prosperous might have reached a level where we just feel like we're at a dead end and we feel like well god's not doing anything in my life anymore and god's not for me and we can fall into that mentality that says why even try and when we have that mentality whether we're thinking society's against us or you know i'm just a loser i'm a failure i don't amount to much let me tell you the most transformative way of thinking would be to discover that God is for you. God is for you. Instead of believing that the deck is stacked against you, I want to challenge you to, to this line of thinking. The deck is stacked for you. The deck is stacked for you. If we might say, what chance is there of any hope for my life if the God of the universe is against me? Let me ask you this. If the God of the universe is for you, what can be impossible for you god is for you he created the universe and he is all-powerful he loves you and he is for you why would you not believe then if this is the message of scripture if paul says as he does say in that verse 831 if god is for us who can be against us why would we not believe that number one we would not believe that because of our own head trash our own experiences that tell us 
that, hey, the whole world's against us, God's against us, we don't amount to anything, we can't accomplish anything. That's head trash, and we can work on removing that head trash, but I believe there's something else, and this is kind of from my study of the whole book of Romans, the letter to the Romans, and that is there, there's something inside of us that tells us that God is against certain things, and He is. He's a holy God. He's against sin, and it's easy to take that awareness and begin to think well if god is against certain things if god is against some kinds of behaviors if god is against sin then maybe he's against me well let me just ask then is there a place for an understanding of the wrath of god against sin in a message about god's favor in your life is there a place for the understanding of the wrath of God against sin in a message that's primarily this, God is for you and not against you? See, I, I believe that deep inside, we have an awareness of God's wrath against sin. We just know that a righteous and holy God has to be against evil. And, and I think that's in some ways a comfort when you look at all the evil in the world and you recognize there is an accounting for those who hurt and abuse people, that's comforting. But what is not comforting is if we begin to think that we are subject to the wrath of God as well. We see wrath as a reality, and because it's a reality, and because sometimes we can apply it to ourselves, we become suspicious of a message such as I'm delivering today. God is for you, not against you. We become suspicious. It's kind of like, uh, he's just hyping me. He's just trying to sell me something. He's just trying to make me feel good because we know that God is against certain things. So let me just assure you, I'm not giving you a sales pitch today, and I'm not trying to ignore reality. I, I, thought about this experience back in Oklahoma many years ago Lisa and I were uh, in the market for a used car and we found one in the newspaper we went there instead of online because we didn't have online in those days and this was a car that was about 10 years old the price was right and it was low mileage like only 20,000 miles 10 year old car with 20,000 miles we thought wow that's great so we went to look at the car and I opened the driver's side door and I looked in and I saw that the seat cover was worn through to the springs. <laughs> that, that seat was entirely worn, th worn through. And I asked the owner of the car who was selling it, this car only has 20,000 miles? He said, yep, only 20,000 miles. And I just said, somebody must have been doing a lot of sitting in this car then. Well, uh, I believe he was trying to just sell me something well let me tell you i'm not just trying to sell you something today and i'd rather just ignore this whole thought line about the wrath of god but i, I don't want to do so because i want you to receive this message that god is for you and really that's the the primary message of the book of romans of the letter to the romans god is for you and the, the primary message of Romans being God is for you. He has saved you. He has given you 
an offer of salvation. It is a free offer. It's a free gift. It's received by grace. It's received through faith. All you have to do is believe. It's not by works. It's not by how good you are. It's not about how well you performed. It's not about any of those measures, whether by religious measures or just by what's considered good in this world. It is a free gift of God because God is for you. And yet, in this passage, there is room for understanding what God is against and how and why. Going back to Romans chapter 1, beginning with verse 16, Paul says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. That's one that we receive. We receive God's righteousness. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as, as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Praise God, that is what Romans is all about. But then the next verse, verse 18 of Romans chapter 1. So the righteousness is being revealed. Verse 18 says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. See, grace, without an understanding of what it saves us from, without an understanding that we're being saved from wrath, is meaningless. So when I'm telling you that God is for you, I'm telling you He is absolutely, unequivocally, for you and he has wrath against sin but it is not god's plan that you experience his wrath <laughs> that's what romans is telling us throughout god wants you to walk in righteousness and he's willing to give you his righteousness he does not at all intend for you to experience his wrath not at all god is for you so we don't have to be afraid of God's wrath. We acknowledge it. It's there. The wrath of God is what the grace of God saves us from. When God is for us, it doesn't mean that he's ignored sin, but it means that he has made a plan to give you his righteousness. So wrath is there, but we don't have to be afraid. I love that verse in 1 John 4.18. So you see, this is not just the kind of thinking that Paul has. It's New Testament thinking. It's the kind of thinking that John has. And he says in, in 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love. And you've probably heard this many times, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Perfect love drives out fear. Now, I, I've heard a lot of misuse of that, even in recent days. John is not saying that perfect love drives out fear of coronavirus. That's not what he's talking about at all. You know, there is an appropriate fear. We should not be foolish about protecting ourselves and those we love from a potentially deadly virus. There's not per, God's perfect love... If I were out in the woods being chased by a wild bear, God's perfect love would not drive out that fear. That's not what that's talking about. That would be crazy not to have that kind of fear. And we're not crazy. What John is saying is we don't have to be afraid of God's punishment. In other words, we don't have to be afraid of God's wrath. When we 
perfectly understand when we grasp completely the love of god there's no fear of punishment whatsoever none whatsoever and like we talked about last week we can endure hardship as discipline but it's not hardship as punishment from god it's not hardship as a way of god placing his wrath upon us not at all see god's in the business and this is what romans is all about god is in the business of restoring what sin has taken away god wants to restore god's agenda is to heal and restore god wants to restore what sin and the devil have taken away from you god is for you in every respect when i was in sixth grade my dad and i went to a high school football game and during the game i looked down and at my feet in the bleachers i saw a ten dollar bill and in my sixth grade mind i thought i would love to have that ten dollar bill but it might belong to those people sitting in front of me so i'll just wait and see what happens during the game toward the end but before it was over that whole group of people i guess they were high school students left and as i made sure they were gone completely gone i looked down i grabbed that ten dollar bill and i said look dad ten dollars my dad snatched that ten dollar bill out of my hand he jumped up and he turned around and started looking he was looking he was looking everywhere trying to find that group of young people so that he could hopefully find who was the rightful owner of that ten dollar bill and you know i didn't have any thought that oh i'm stealing ten dollars that didn't even enter my mind it wasn't until my dad jumped up and and was really trying to find that ten dollar bill's owner that i realized oh no i messed up now i didn't get chastised by, by my dad he probably doesn't know until he hears this message what was going on in my mind uh but let me ask you this who was behaving more like god at that moment me or my dad see a lot of people think that god kind of behaves like me you know he's not really actively trying to take something from you but if he gets a chance and he can sneak and get away with it he'll deny you that ten dollars right he'll deny you what is yours well god's more like my dad god is seeking to restore what you've lost god is for you and let me tell you he knows what you've lost whatever it might be he knows what you've lost and he's in the restoration business he's for you what's the proof of that the proof of that is this jesus romans 8 31 let me just read that again paul says what then shall we say in response to these things if god is for us who can be against us and then verse 32 goes right along with that he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things how will he not also along with jesus graciously give us all things even in hardship paul is saying that god's disposition is to give and to restore that's what he wants to do he's for you 
Now, don't misunderstand this. Paul does not say that we become convinced of God's care and God's love because we get all these things. That's not what he's saying. Paul is not saying that he's convinced of God's love because, you know, he gets more stuff, more pleasure, more comfort, more ease. None of those things. We become convinced of God's love by two things, according to Romans chapter 8. One being, he's given us Jesus. That's proof that he's for us. And the second thing, if you look elsewhere, especially earlier in Romans chapter 8, it's because he's given us his spirit, and his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're God's children, that he loves us as children. We become convinced because of the experience of God's love through Christ and through his spirit. And that means we have to stop looking at the things of this world and our circumstances as evidence of God's favor in our lives. We have to stop looking at stuff in this material realm as evidence that God loves us and that God is for us. What do we look to? We look to Jesus and we look to the Holy Spirit. See, tough times are part of our experience of life. And if you look at the, the good stuff that we experience when times are good, that's wonderful. But if those become the foundation for your understanding of God's love, then what happens when those things are not there? What happens when there's a coronavirus crisis and that really strikes us personally? We lose a job, we lose finances, or God forbid, we lose a life or the life of a loved one. Then we can become questioning we can begin questioning God's love for us. And God, you know, if you're for us, why are these things happening? See, our determination of God's favor, God being for us, cannot be based on circumstances. Now, I believe that God wants to give us all things, and I think that means that we can trust that God is our shepherd. We shall not lack. I, I believe that we can believe and lay claim to verses such as Paul speaks to the church when he says, My God shall supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I believe that we can trust God to meet our needs. But in my heart and in my spirit, I want to get to the place that I'm totally independent of circumstances to let me know how much God loves me. I want to see this church. I want to see you get to the point where your circumstances don't make a difference in your ability to grasp God's great love for you. I want you to be convinced that he's for you and there's no hardship, no difficulty, no virus, no job loss, no loss of any kind that can separate you from God's love. He's for you. He's in the restoring business. He's in the forgiving business. His favor is on your life. And if God is for you, who can be against you? As Paul says in verses 35 through 39 of Romans chapter 8, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or coronavirus or any of those other things? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. In other words, bad things happen to followers of Christ. They do. We're not immune from these things. But then he continues, verse 37, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
For I am convinced, Paul says. I want you to be convinced. I am convinced, Paul says, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is for you. His word tells us that. Jesus tells us that. By His Spirit, we know that. And we want to be convinced of this. God is for us. Be transformed. Let your life be transformed. Get unstuck by believing like you've never believed before. God is for you. And if He was for you when you first got saved, let me tell you this, He's for you now as well. God wants to move you forward. And really, that's the essence of revival. When we become convinced of fresh, of God's love for us that we haven't earned it we can't do enough good stuff we can't serve well enough for God to give us any more of his love he loves you he's given it to you in Jesus Christ he wants to take care of you he wants to bless you he wants to restore what sin and the devil have taken away God wants to lift you up believe him for that right now let's believe him for that on a national basis because if we begin grasping this as churches throughout our nation and we begin conveying this message of love and grace yes there's wrath against sin but it's not God's plan for anybody to experience that wrath he has given us his grace he's given us good news and he wants us to live in that kind of awareness let me ask you have you ever made a decision to receive Jesus Christ have you consciously submitted your life to Christ and received the free gift it also says in Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 that if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus has been crucified for us and raised from the dead and that he is Lord, we will be saved. I want to give you a chance to express your belief and to give voice to that belief right now. Just pray this prayer right after me. Say these words. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you that you are for me and you're not against me. I believe Jesus died, he was raised from the dead, and he is Lord. Be the Lord of my life, forgive me of all my sins, restore what the devil and sin have stolen. Help me to live for you. I'm your child. I'm your child, God. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to have some instructions in just a minute or so about how you can respond, how you can follow up on that. If you're watching on social media, you can just make a comment right now that you have received Christ. Somebody will get with you. You can go online at the uh, URL, at the address, web address that we're going to be giving you, getvictory.net slash decision. Let somebody know that you've made this decision. Let me tell you, it's the best decision of your life. And those of you who have been followers for a long time know this. The word is still true. God's favor is on your life. He is for you, not against you. Let's move forward into God's wonderful will for each one of our lives. God bless you. Thanks again for letting us be a part of your worship today. Amen. Before we begin this next... Thanks for listening to the Victory Church Podcast. If this message inspired you, Feel free to share it with your friends, family, and social media. And make sure to subscribe to hear future messages from Victory Church. If you'd like to support the mission of Victory, 
please visit getvictory.net slash give. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day.